0: Gentlemen, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. I'm really excited to be bringing you a new round of interviews here. Today's interview is with Pastor Mike Novotny from, oh, he's from Time of Grace. He's from uh, St. Peter Appleton slash the core up there in the north. Um, He is from Conquerors Through Christ. He's got all kinds of great things going on. He's the author of several books, um, which if you listen to the old podcast with him, you'll hear him talk a little bit more about those. Um, I think he mentions one of them, his latest book in this podcast as well. But he's a wonderful writer, he's a wonderful man, he's an excellent preacher. Um, and he's uh his influence is growing as he's as he becomes more and more a part of Time and Grace. And uh he's he's the guy that you see on Sunday mornings now if you're watching Time of Grace. So he's we're very blessed to have him with us, um humbled to have him on the show. And uh, really excited to share what he has to say with you. Before we get into that, though, make sure you are following this podcast on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. All the information about like what the handles are and all that is at the end of the podcast. So make sure you listen all the way through to the end. Um, uh, we have a group on Facebook called the GERD Up Community. Uh, I would love it if you would get involved with that and uh, be a part of the community that's going on over there. And if you would like to support this podcast, there's a couple different ways you can do that. First of all, talk about it. Share it with people. um, Get more listeners. The more listeners we have, the easier it is to promote um, our own stuff and to promote other men of God who are doing wonderful things in the kingdom. Um, The second thing you can do is if you'd like to donate, you can donate at Patreon. It's the easiest way to do that. Um, If you're sending checks to the mail and all that kind of stuff, you don't always know what's going on. So uh, it would love if you would get on Patreon and donate there. You can give one time or you can give... Uh, repeated monthly um, gifts to help us, uh, to help support the podcast. Or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, um, please feel free to do so. Get a hold of me. Like I said, all that contact information is at the end of the show. Uh, If you would like to support the podcast, um, get a hold of me. Let me know what you want to sponsor, what you want to do, and we can make that happen for you. Um, God's blessings to all of you. Um, I honestly do pray for you daily. Um, thank you for being a part of my spiritual journey as I grow. Uh, thank you for to all of you who interact with me um, and talk to me about what's going on in your own hearts, and your own minds, um, and also teach and admonish and encourage me as I grow as a man of God as well. Um, like I've said before, the uh, the purpose behind this podcast is that I've not always been the man I want to be. Frankly, I'm still not always the man I want to be. Um, And as I grow and as I mature in faith, as I start eating spiritual meat instead of drinking spiritual milk, um, I love to share my journey with you. And that's really what's going on here is I'm becoming a man as I get to share my journey through masculinity with you. So God bless you. Um, you're wonderful I love you. hope that we continue to see you around and uh, hear from you Last thing before I forget we're coming up pretty close here um, now that the summer is coming to an end on some men's conferences and retreats the The next one that I will be at will be the men of his word conference in Rochester, Minnesota at the end of October so if you would like to if you're from the Minnesota area or the the mid the western half of the Midwest um, and you want to connect with other men of God that's a great way to place to and and way to do that um, in Rochester, Minnesota. It's the last weekend in October in Rochester, Minnesota. I will be there. There'll be all kinds of other men there, some wonderful things going on. Uh, if you would like information on that, I will make sure I provide it. But you can also find it um, online as well. If you google um, Men of His Word Conference, you'll find the Rochester link there as well. So blessings. Um, before we get into the show here, sorry, this is getting a little long, but as we get into the show here, you're going to hear an advertisement for Him and Her Worship and the What Do I Know podcast. Um, got to see them perform this weekend at the Beats for Heartbeats festival that was going on here in the Milwaukee area. Wonderful job. Um, can't, can't be proud enough or can't be, can't be more proud of them and the work that they're doing and, and the growth they're experiencing. So blessings to them as well. Uh, and we better get into this show, otherwise I'm going to talk myself to death. Here we go.
1: Hello, this is Seth and Jenna Herlick, and we are also known as Him and Her Worship.
0: We are also the creators of the What Do I Know podcast, where we talk about life while having very little life experience ourselves.
1: We are a normal couple, passionate about lighting hearts on fire for Jesus, who just happened to play music.
0: We write our own original worship music, and we play in churches all around the country, and we'd love to connect with you.
1: We have lots of ways for you to do that. On Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify, we are at Him and Her Worship, and we have a website, and we are himandherworship.com.
0: Also, check out our podcast at Apple Podcasts and
1: other streaming platforms. God bless you. Thanks so much for your time, and we cannot wait to meet you in person.
0: Right. Interview today is with Pastor Mike Novotny. He's been on before. He's from Time of Grace. You might recognize his face from the big screen somewhere. <laughs> Do you ever get conscious about that at all?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's weird in a lot of ways. It's weird with uh, media ministry that people recognize me that I haven't met yet. It's, oh, it's yeah. humbling and it's cool, but people will launch into conversations like we know each other. And you know, five minutes in, I have to right. say, oh, hey, I'm Mike, by the way. And yeah. You are, <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess I kind of did that to you just now too. Hello, but <laughs> just jumping in, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so like, you do. You did. Uh, f- how long were you mastery before you st- You started doing Time of Grace.
1: Uh, about ten years.
0: About ten years. So, like, you get you kind of get to like recognized around town as the pastor guy thing, at least a little bit, a little right? Bit, yeah. And then uh, it's got to be different to jump into into Time of Grace, though.
1: It is actually. I have to watch my sanctification because. Like when I'm playing soccer, I have to think. Hey, these oh, I suppose they know I'm a pastor. I suppose so this is for real now. <laughs> yeah, like
0: if I'm gonna preach a sermon on humility next week, I better not celebrate too hard after this goal, you know? It, All it's right,
1: it's good. It's good for me. It keeps good. me in check. Oh, I think
0: like, everybody needs a couple of checks like that, right? Yeah, I keep it a, in balance. I need as many as I can get. <laughs> All right, so you are, but you're the full time. You're one of or the guy at at the. These are still called the core. It is up in Appleton. It okay. is.
1: Yeah, no, we call ourselves one church on two campuses with the core in Saint Peter, and there are five pastors that work together. Two of us really specialize in the downtown campus, the core. Okay. So we have a lot of help. I have a great pastor, Michael Ewart, who does a, a boatload of work with us at the core. Uh turn you up just a little. Hello, Chuck One Two. Oh, oh that's coming through big now. <laughs> okay. So
0: you, there's two of you at the core. Um, and do you like split duties right down the middle or do you like do you, you preach, and then he does, like, how do you guys do that? Can yeah, not that as not on the
1: middle. I really specialize in preaching, and I spend about 10 hours a week connecting with our members, doing outreach stuff. So he does a lot of the structural, behind-the-scenes, visitation, teaching classes. But I, I'll preach 46 to 48 Sundays a year for the sake of Time Ooh, of Grace. There you go. Yeah, so I'm the primary talking guy.
0: Yeah, so uh, we want to talk a little bit about ministry today. So you guys do ministry differently at... The core than a lot of churches do. I know, and St. Peter does as well. True. Um Does ministry, like uh, the actual worship part of ministry differently than a lot of churches do. So, um, why, don't you, why don't we start by just describing what you guys do?
1: Sure. Yeah. So what do you guys do? So, an average service for us, we kick things off with a couple of songs led by our worship team. Uh, Pastor Michael would come up, introduce the service, have a time of confession reflection, maybe we'll build a song into that, a word of absolution about the cross of Jesus, scripture reading, maybe see the Apostles' Creed, uh, depending on the week, and then we really launch into preparing people for the message. Right. So he'll have people get their programs out, grab your pen, he'll pray for me, we'll roll the short video to clear everyone else off stage like the band, and then <laughs> I come up and I get right. to talk for a long, long, long time. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm blessed to have... A short sermon would be thirty minutes. Okay. A normal one probably thirty eight. A longer one, maybe forty seven. So I'm I think a lot of pastors would be jealous. I get to Yeah. They have to work harder than I do because they have to condense it down to twenty, and I get to spend forty.
0: Do you ever get anybody in the back of the room, like out of soundboard, like waving you? Like, get That's what we yeah, People tapping their watches.
1: <laughs> it's pretty dark in our church, so that probably oh, is happening. I just can't see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you want it that way, right? Like, if you're not listening, then let me know.
1: <laughs> they turn the lights <laughs> up, so I can always tell because of the kids. You know, when the when the kids are restless, then you know. It's yeah. like the, the Holy Spirit poking you yeah. to wrap it up.
0: Yeah. I always get a kick, uh especially in college, like when you're on choir tours and things like that. You can always tell if the service is going long because the f- smell of the food starts wafting. <laughs> you need you need something like that to just like keep everybody, you know, let's keep moving. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. All right.
1: Yeah, so after the message we do an offering, another song, we do prayer, Lord's Prayer, closing blessing, final song. And uh people send off. So yeah, about a seventy five minute service, so a little bit longer than most. Yeah. Yeah,
0: which I mean, when you think about it, it'd be easy to launch into a monologue about is like is is uh, is an hour really long enough? You know? Yeah. And uh, in comparison to, to the rest of the things, we spend the rest of our time doing uh, throughout the week. Totally. But then there's also just the human element of how long can you legitimately expect? There really to is sit still so.
1: I, I think it's all what you're used to. Yeah. You know, if you go to a short chapel service and you're expecting a seven-minute devotion. And a pastor gives a twenty-minute sermon; it feels long. Yeah. If you're expecting a twenty-minute sermon and you get a five-minute devotion, you'd say that was short. Yeah. If you grew up in a tradition that has two-hour church services, or I've heard like in Africa, you know, you come and you invest a half mm. a day into worship. Yeah. If you cut off your message at eighteen yeah. minutes, so I think it's all your culture, what you were raised with, what's normal for you. Yeah.
0: Well, and there's a lot of even in, in America. I think especially down in the south, there's a lot of church traditions where you you, know, you spend you know, the significant chunk of Sunday at worship together. And yeah. you like, and you're even coming and going and you hear multiple sermons or multiple portions of the same sermon or, you know, that yep. kind of thing too. Yep. I think you're probably right that this, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the service itself first. Do you guys use like a defined liturgy per se, or how do you decide, how do you decide what you're saying and how you're saying it before the sermon starts?
1: We just wing it. Every, Every week. No. no. It's like, this
0: is what I, this, I prayed hard, and this is what <laughs> the
1: Lord's telling me to say. I really feel like we should watch random YouTube clips today. No, we do a bunch of planning. See, so that's I, how teachers roll. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we, so I'll start in a couple weeks here. I'm going to do all the sermon planning for the entire 2020 calendar year. So that really kicks things off for us. Yeah. I'm going to think strategically about what parts of the Bible have we preached on, what's going on locally, culturally with our church, what kind of message do they need from the word, Uh, what books of the Bible haven't we talked about in a long time, and that'll turn into a massive plan that'll really be the first step in us planning worship. And then for us, we we have kind of elements of the traditional liturgy, you know, creed, confession, absolution, Mm -hmm. Lord's Prayer, but the way we approach those things, our church has really started to be a church for unchurched people, so if you don't know who the apostles are or what a creed is, and the pastor says, we're going to do the apostles' creed. Uh, <laughs> you start out with that moment of uncertainty and making people feel like outsiders. Yeah. So there's pros and cons to everything, but we use a couple of those extra minutes that we have to really give a context. So Jesus called these 12 guys right. to follow him that were called apostles. And some of their teaching was later put into a statement of faith by future Christians. And they called it a creed. Which comes from a Latin word that just means "I believe." So there you go. There's my yeah 41 second intro that hopefully the first time guest can say, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah. So well, we try to
0: be on that. You're like you're clearly stating then as a group, as a body of people, to someone who's new, this is what we believe. Yeah. Yeah, and that like that already starts to answer some of those questions.
1: Yeah. So I, I love. I grew up in a traditional church, and I am mean, the content is just off the charts awesome. I've just found that a lot of people that didn't grow up that way you're singing about the Lord of hosts, and the only time they've heard the word host is the person who works at Applebee's that <laughs> helps you find your table right. or the hostess. Yeah. So just giving a little context to defining words, because if you don't get it, it's hard to worship him. You know, It becomes a stumbling yeah. block. to I'm repeating things, but I don't grasp what they mean. Yeah. So that's a little bit of what we try to do. We try not to assume too much about people's background or knowledge because the, yeah, the statements of faith and the scripture itself, is just so great when you get it.
0: Yeah. Is it the same pretty much from week to week or does it follow the themes as you're preaching on yeah. or how does that work? It'll
1: change. Like our confession and absolution will be tailored to the theme of the day every week. The scripture lesson will be chosen based on the sermon series and the specific text for that day. The songs are the same way. And we even do that with communion. So we actually have a separate communion service outside of our regular worship. We're blessed to have about 100 guests or non-members in our worship services each week. Wow. So trying to talk to them about communion, what it is, getting a full understanding. Do they grasp it? Do they agree with us as a church? That can become, <laughs> that make a long yeah. service really, really long. Yeah. Absolutely. So we move that as a separate like 15 minute mini service yeah. on Sunday that members are invited to attend where we can really dive in and teach specifically. So every trimester at our church, we'll have special liturgies to teach a certain aspect of communion so we have a real reflection, a good teaching, coming to appreciate the sacrament in a fresh way.
0: Yeah. And how do you so how do you explain that to some, like if a guest showed up as everyone's walking into the that like uh communion yeah. service? How would you like explain what's going on?
1: They really don't. At least in the 5 years I've been at the core that hasn't been a hurdle we've had to jump over. Okay. We we promote pretty openly this is a, this is something our members get to celebrate together. Okay. So yeah, we really don't have guests showing up at communion.
0: Okay. Oh, so it's not like it's not like ten minutes before church starts. You have a little special little ceremony, and then you move on to.
1: Yeah, it's or... about a half hour beforehand. So because our guests aren't okay. showing up to church a half oh, hour early,
0: oh, so it's most likely so publish it to the congregation. Hey, this is when you come, but a yep. uh, guest wouldn't necessarily see. Correct. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: So that there's pros sense. and cons to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely the negative that we do much of our, most of our teaching on communion during the communion service. Mm -hmm. So if you're just coming to the regular Sunday service, you might miss, you know, some of the beauty and excitement about that. So we try not to shy away from it when it's part of the scripture lesson or the, um, the sermon for the day. But yeah, you know, all these choices are pros and cons. You take time to explain the creed, but you're using those minutes instead of using them for something else. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, and in some ways you're even like lowering the barrier to entry as far as like in, uh, involvement and. Like, I don't know what the right word is, not ownership, but like getting a a guest immediately involved, like helping them kind of own their part of it and be involved in everything that you do already. And you're, so I guess when I say a barrier to entry, um, you're not like immediately first time I visit being excluded from something. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. The more I've
1: listened to people, that's been a huge stumbling block where I would do my best to persuasively say, Hey, if you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. We love communion. We love you. And we'd love to celebrate communion with you. So after church, hey, talk to me. We'll talk about the. Per- you know, I try to be winsome and persuasive, mm-hmm. but still having honest conversations yeah. with people, I wasn't as winsome as I thought I was being. <laughs> it just felt like a little bit of a stiff yeah. arm for some. So, you know, it's a reality. We right. want to honor the sacrament and protect the Lord's table like we should. But yeah, that's challenging in practice. Yeah. Sweet. Can I tell you one of my favorite yeah, ministry go stories? Go ahead. So uh, back when I was a pastor in Madison, Uh, I would kind of give that little speech. You know, if you're a guest here, so happy we're about to celebrate communion. Yeah. So on and so forth. Um, And there's this couple from the back. She was, I think, eight months pregnant. And she was with her boyfriend or her fiance. And then they had a two- or a three-year-old with them. And the way it worked, you know, the ushers are sending everyone forward. And here this couple comes up as a first-time guest. And, you know, as a pastor, you're kind of caught, like, Mm -hmm. here they are in front of the church. I haven't had a chance to talk to them. I hope they're ready and good to go, but I don't know. So for better or worse, I made the decision, I'll give them communion and I'll talk to them afterwards. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) because I think God has a sense of humor. We had these full groups of people, 12 people who would stand in the front of church and they'd leave. Well, just based on the numbers, a group left before them and they were the only people left. So they come forward, they kind of kneel down at the rail and I go through with the bread and say, you know, take and eat. And the little two-year-old sticks his hand up. And so I kind of wink at him and smile. But the mom and the dad kind of look at him and look at me like they're confused. And I, So I'm, I'm a brand-new right. pastor, by the way. I'm like a year <laughs> in. So I, I totally don't know what like I'm doing. Full panic mode. I was. So <laughs> then the, the guy who's helping me with communion comes through with the cup, cups. And I say, take and drink. And thankfully, the kid didn't reach for one. <laughs> but the guy grabs one. And then the woman grabs one who's, who's pregnant. And I say, "Taking drinks is the blood of Christ." And she whispers to me, "She says, Pastor, is this real wine?" <laughs> and I, I make the mistake of glancing up at the church, who's supposed to be focusing on the communion song. But I see all these eyes looking at me, like, "What's the new pastor going to do with this one?" And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nodding, right. like, "Yeah, it's it's real wine." And the boyfriend or fiance says, "Just drink it." And she's like, "I." I can't. And she's thinking about this little half ounce of wine and she's pregnant. Yeah. So she's worried that it's going to do some physical damage. So they start getting into this whisper argument over the head <laughs> of the two-year-old. And I'm just sitting up there like sweating. And every time I look up, there are more, <laughs> there are fewer voices singing and more eyeballs looking right at me. Till oh. til finally, classic, she looks up at me with these big innocent eyes. And she says, Pastor, will this hurt me?
0: Oh, man. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't, like
1: physically i i don't think so but you know so here's the best part i'm uh, you know i'm just stuck i'm probably just red-faced and <laughs> flummoxed but he looks over at her and the boyfriend is so embarrassed he says fine and he pounds his thing of wine he grabs hers <laughs> <laughs> and he pounds the second one and i just looked at them and I was like Ron Burgundy, I said go, go in peace. Like, <laughs> so, oh my goodness. So, thank God, you know, within a month, within a month or two they come to our Bible information class, like our crash course in the Bible. We get to the communion lesson and I'm explaining what communion is and how we approach it and why it's good to study it before you take it. And they're there and she raises her hand and she says, Pastor, do you remember the time that we came to communion? (laughs) (laughs) Like, yes, I do. I don't think we did that right, she (laughs) said. Yeah, you know, that really stuck with me. Um, (laughs) And here's the moral of the story. You know, both of those people had grown up in church, different churches, different denominations. But when I really sat down with them in class and asked them, hey, what do you think communion is? They had no idea. And maybe that experience shaped me more than it should have. But it was just a good reminder that, Hey, we're not being cruel or judgmental to just push pause, mm-hmm. love people, have some real conversations because we want communion not to be confusing or will this hurt me or can my two-year-old take it, but just to approach it, to focus on the words and the promises of God.
0: Have you ever, um, so obviously I'm not a pastor, but I've heard some pastors in similar situations just like give a blessing. Uh, have you ever done anything like that or heard of anything To like
1: people that? or to the kids?
0: Uh, Well, both.
1: Yeah, I've never seen to... Like if someone's not taking communion, but they come up right. as an adult. I haven't seen that. I've seen with kids yeah. that a lot of past- and it's awesome to me, it's yeah. just a way to honor the children yeah. and let them know that we care about them too, even if they haven't prepared right. for communion just yet. So, why
0: well, not? I think about it, it, might be you might have the exact same issues as far as like not being, you know, you might still be in the same position later sure. on. Sure. Yeah. I don't anyway. think there's
1: there's any easy so, answer, but yeah. that explains a little bit of why when I came to the core, they had just made the decision before I got there to take communion as a separate service. Mm-hmm. And seeing how many guests we have and people from no church background and little church background, I I just thought it was the wise thing to do. So good and bad to everything. I wouldn't judge a church that does it the traditional way, but I'm really happy with the way we approach it.
0: All right. Cool. All right. Now I'm going to ask you about like how you guys pick what you do and how you do what you do. Yeah. Like poke holes a little bit and let you defend. Oh, please. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You guys so excited. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, So um, when you do... Like so, you said you get together right away. You sing a bunch of songs, and then you roll into it, right? Basically, roll into what? uh, Your then like confession and absolution and preparation. So essentially, your preparation for worship is happening. You know, you sing a few songs, you do preparation for worship, you do a sermon, and is that kind of like a basic, like super bare bones layout that kind of be what you guys are doing?
1: I I think so, but keep talking. Okay, so my question
0: is um, like. You guys aren't singing traditional hymns most of the time. Uh, some of them as are just As far like to... from the hymnal. Like you're not pulling out the red hymnal and singing the Correct. most of the time. Correct. So how do you guys pick... I guess I'm not really poking mm-hmm. holes as much as... <laughs> but anyway, so how do you guys... How do you choose what music to sing? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you're like big like check like check boxes? This is a song we're going to sing in church.
1: Great question. Yeah, so we have a worship director. So I don't pick the songs myself. But there are a couple things that factor into our decision. Obviously, number one, is it true and it's, is it biblical? So some, something could be a, your favorite song on the radio, but if it's not honoring oh, God yeah, right. or focusing on his word, that would be out. Because we sometimes use music as like a confessional piece, like the feel of a song or the message. Um, this past week we sang Ren Collective's Boldly I Approach Your Throne. Mm-hmm. So we'll start a confession. We'll give people a moment of reflection. There's quiet music in the background. And then we build into that song as a way of singing a confession and then reminding us because of the blood of Jesus, we can boldly approach the throne of God. Yeah. So oftentimes that second song will be tied into more of the confession, absolution, sin and grace side of things. Mm -hmm. And not just like the theme of my sermon. Okay. The third song. You'll
0: be talking about it as you go.
1: Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, The first and last songs that we do tend to be, we had an older guy at our church. I think he's maybe about 70 years old. And one day he said to me a few years ago, Pastor, if I would ever design a golf course, I would want the first hole and the last hole to be really easy. I said, well, why is that? He's like, because you you've got some frustrating moments in golf. But if like the hole that you start on and the one that you end before you go into the clubhouse, you do really well on, you feel really good about the day. And he compared that to, to picking music. Like you could have a great church service, but if the last song you pick is like unfamiliar and odd and awkward and everyone's off and people are just sitting there, like it kind of sours the whole worship experience. Yeah. So we've done that, you know, pick something familiar, pick something that has some energy to it. Get people, you know, we don't go too far with feelings, but let them feel good. Connect. Oh, I love this one. Lifting up the name of Jesus to start and to end some serious moments in the middle. So it, There's a lot of factors that go in from the message to the portion it's going to connect to in the service to how familiar are people with it. Um, At seminary, I learned this great line, let the people participate. So we're blessed with some really great musicians. We have a full-time worship director who could sing anything. But if the people can't join him in lifting up the name of Jesus, like (laughs) pastorally, we can do better. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Well, and so one, I think one of the things that uh, when churches try contemporary worship or modern worship, whatever you want to call it, yep. um, one of the biggest complaints is, well, two of them are either A, they always they always sound the same and they don't always sound very good, <laughs> which a lot of that just has to do with, who, like, you know, who sure. you have playing and whether or not you've been blessed with the, you know, the talents and abilities of the congregation to do so. Totally. Um, but then the other side is, is oftentimes that they find very little content in the songs, you mm-hmm. know? Where, like you said, you, you said we don't get into feelings, we try not to get into the feeling side of things too much. But, yeah, um, where like you know, they pretty much are songs about either about feelings, you know, like this is God, this is how you make me feel, and this is you know, sure, and uh, or like they're trying to create feelings. So you think about, um, like the song that always comes up in these conversations is Oceans, right? Um, mm. like there certainly is a portrayal of you know, the gospel in there, mm-hmm. but it's 97% trying to make me feel a connection to God. Right. And gotcha. there's not, certainly nothing wrong with it. Sure. But if you're, if that's what you're like, if, if you don't, if you never get further than that, as far as, yep, you know, content to the science. So I, um, what obviously you guys, so you say you have a worship director picking songs. We do. Um, there's a question in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, like, why is it important to, is it important to have, doctrinally rich songs, mm. or or uh, scripture rich songs, maybe is a better way to say that. Yep. Um, and so, is it important? And, didn't explain your answer. If you yeah,
1: could. I'd love to. Yeah. I, I was yeah. wrestling with that. So, I grew up in a traditional church. When I was in middle school or high school, our church shifted to being very contemporary. So, when I entered my first Christian school at Martin Luther College and then at the seminary. You know, that, that was really personal oh, to me. it feels like a step back, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say all those debates, you know. Oh, I, I'd experienced oh, yeah. both. So I'd been blessed with a great formation in traditional worship. I'd really come to appreciate a lot of things about contemporary worship. Yeah. As a kid, I never went home to sing hymns. But when I got into contemporary worship, those were, I would worship during the week through that. So, oh, you know, I saw some yeah, beauty yeah, yeah. in both of it. And it wasn't a, who's better between the two. But as part of the process, later on in life, I actually opened up to the Psalms, and I, I tried to apply some of the criterion arguments that I had heard, like are feelings bad? Or if a song says I or and me more than God and Lord, it's bad. And I found out it's not so black and white. Right. In the very songs that the Holy Spirit himself inspired. So are most of them proclaiming like the works and the character of God? For sure. Mm-hmm. Do all of them do that? No. Are some Holy Spirit-inspired songs more about God, I'm going through this. My enemies are doing this. I feel overwhelmed. God, I'm lost. Or I praise you. Or my heart rejoices. There's a ton of that too. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. actually? What I actually learned is sometimes when I got sucked in to the argument trying to prove that one was better than the other, I would actually go into church as a judge instead of a worshiper. Yeah. And, and there's a there's a time when we need to be critical about sermons and songs. But my my heart is wired in a really bad way where i can actually come and hear someone who's singing about jesus and they love jesus or a preacher who's giving a message from the bible and i'm in my mind i'm critiquing all the weaknesses instead of like my yeah. goodness there are billions of people who've never heard this message and here i am so spoiled that i'm hearing it again but i'm oh, i'm getting out my <laughs> little pencil and well right, oh, right. we need more of this or that or yeah. that isn't emotional enough or that's not deep enough so i there's a professor at the seminary i went to who said You know, when you go to worship, you should have two ears. One that's listening critically. I want to make sure this is true. This is exalting Jesus. But another ear that's just coming as a child of God who's desperate for any morsel of spiritual bread that the Holy Spirit's giving. And this professor said, one ear should be much, much bigger than the other. (laughs) And it's not the first one. Yeah. And man, that was so convicting to me because I, I just have to talk myself off that ledge all the time. Yeah. Um, the more I study about worship music, the more I study about preaching, the easier it is for me to be critical of people who are being faithful, who are preaching the word, who are exalting Jesus, whether it's a, a guitar player, a contemporary musician, a traditional organist. Like, my goodness, that person loves God. The Holy Spirit has brought them to faith, and they're using their gifts to serve. So if, if that's not like my go-to hallelujah God like, man, something's yeah. backwards at my heart.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest things about the, your comments there was like, there's, uh, like, is uh, what's your intention in, in the criticism as well, you know? Like, mm-hmm. is it, like and, and reframing that conversation in your frame of mind as you're doing that. Sure. So, like, if you're in that situation where you're attending a church where, like, you, you're starting to get frustrated, where you're saying, like, look, like we're singing the same songs every week, or mm-hmm. they all, you know, and, and I'm not getting a whole lot out of the music. And instead of having a conversation of saying, We need to dump this and go back or, or whatever yeah. just having that conversation of like, Hey, I wonder if we can find some music that, you know, has more, you know, more spiritual content in the words. Yeah. And I think that conversation might go a whole lot farther than in the conversation of like contemporary music sucks we're moving on <laughs> you know yeah so I, I, a lot of that is has to do with with like your attitude coming into and and making sure that you're really worried about worship and not worried about absolutely sinful gratification yeah
1: humility yeah. has to be the baseline you know to consider yeah. others better than yourselves to be patient and kind I, I would just find yeah my i would get sucked into arguments and discussions where all the fruit of the spirit was gone <laughs> and the stuff first Corinthians 13 love that God really cares about. Yeah. And without that, I'm nothing like I, I would give that up so easily for the sake of making my point and my preference. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still working through that, but man, I've come to appreciate the Holy Christian church and people that love Jesus and want to sing about him. So I want to start there in the conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and sm- a small side, a side note here. I appreciate that you share so... Like, in your, even in your sermons, too, not just you know, in front of a microphone here. You, you aren't afraid to share your own weaknesses. I appreciate that, too. Yeah. Say, hey, I, I got like a lot. How heart. long do you want to go on this podcast? <laughs> 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 well, yeah. <laughs> but we also aren't interested in hearing all your flaws. <laughs> yeah. Is there but, something else I can
1: jump in on the conversation? Um,
0: well, so the uh, um, I, I want to... Uh, like there there are one of the things that they taught us in in you know christian worship class um and it was you know and, and there's always you know shades of the professor in mm-hmm. in the content right sure um but one of the big things that they would always preach to us was um um to make sure that worship isn't about feelings and mm-hmm. so you um and actually, I, I had two different professors throughout the course of of, of the course, mm-hmm. and one of them, you know, basically said, like, look, as long as you're cognizant of cognizant of the fact that um, you're you actually have content in your in your hymns and in your service, mm-hmm. and you're you're helping people grow, that's the question you ask. And then there was another professor who basically said, like, if your people feel good at the end of worship, do you like you kind of need to. Look at your stuff and say, "Hey, are we really giving them a true law and gospel?" And that's obviously way too far. Come, come on, right? You're, but so one real, of his things—that's not a real quote.
1: If people—if people, if people feel good after hearing the gospel,
0: so so that's a little conjecture. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I think you're so. One of his that. big things. Okay, I probably am. <laughs> All right, fine. But one of his big things was you shouldn't like he he did consistently say if you have more than two hymns before the sermon, like you're. You're starting to get into that danger zone where you're making people feel good and they're not feeling good because they've heard the gospel and they're not feeling good because of the confession and absolution. Hmm. They're feeling good because they like music and they feel good now that they've listened to some good music. Sure. So what would your uh, response to that be?
1: I think there's a real danger there. Some of the early Christians, forgive me for forgetting my history, I forget if it was St. Augustine, who had this love-hate relationship with music. Because he experienced that music was so powerful that he didn't need something of good content to love it. Mm. Um, I think about when I was a kid and I would sing songs and my parents would be like, what's that song about? I'd say, I don't know, but I love it. (laughs) I sing it. I repeat the words, but I've never thought about it. Right. So, yeah, I think music can easily be abused. So do we need to be really careful? Can people feel good about things that aren't good in a biblical sense? They're not holy, pure, admirable Philippians 4, praiseworthy, godly, absolutely. But if I'm going to sing a bunch of songs that are full of the glory of God, exalting his name, reminding each other of the great things that he's done, you know, if, if someone would come to the service that we had two days ago at our church where we talked about the faithfulness of God, we boldly approached the throne by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus, And say, well, you had three songs before, and people really, they clapped, and they felt good, so that's bad. Right. Uh, If the songs were totally devoid of Jesus and content, and people felt good, I would totally agree with that. But I don't think it's a black and white, like, number of songs and the feelings they evoke make it good or bad. Yeah. Well,
0: I think think we like to create laws, you
1: know? Totally. I
0: think we like to create laws. And, And the theme I'm getting from you is this needs to be... Like it should be driven by the best possible presentation of the gospel, not driven by, you know, driven by man-made laws. Yes. Like we get pharisaical really easy. We
1: can. And I, I, want, I want us to not be simplistic in our arguments. Yeah. So there might be a 15 stanza hymn that's really deep and beautiful. Right. But if people can't remember any of it when they leave, if they can't sing it, in a hospital room without a hymnal in their hand, so you might have a very simple contemporary song that's very repetitious, and someone might say, "Oh, that's a Have you ever heard of a Seven Eleven song? Seven Eleven. There's only seven lines and you seven sing words, and you sing it eleven <laughs> times. You know that. So that's the knock on it. it. Which, yeah, you know, it's not as deep as the the right. first example. But if my little kids are singing it in the back of the car on the way home, if it's the simple gospel, you think of yeah. even songs that we love that have a chorus. Um, eagle's wings, um, you know, to to lift up the name of Jesus in, in so many different ways. Like, well, that's a pro too. So I don't want to be simplistic in my argument that a really long classic Lutheran hymn with a lot of depth has amazing things, and I think we should value it. But let's not make that the absolute standard that everything else has to compete with. If repetition is the mother of learning, and some songs have a way of repeating a chorus that drives a simple gospel truth into our heads, well, let's honor that as a positive too. So yeah, I think when we force ourselves yeah. to think we need to defend this or we have to embrace this or this doesn't have any flaws and this is only positive. Um, man, it's the same thing we do with spiritual gifts, with gender, with personalities. You know, there's good and there's bad to everything. Yeah. So if we can approach that, honestly, I, I think it keeps us humble. It keeps us grateful for people who might appreciate something else. And hopefully we can celebrate the yeah. unity that we have in Christ.
0: Just kind of like let it be fluid and let the spirit guide you know yeah uh, we should got you've got it you know let you know let let it be guided by the worship itself yeah yeah sweet I like it (laughs) (laughs) So, so um you you said you guys do much longer sermons and I'm sure you said some of that is just for the sake of time of grace I'm so that you have something to put out there, but I I can't imagine it's not for the edification of your congregation as well. Yes, um, and your services are longer than most, you know, yep. traditional at least American church services are. Um, and so, uh, like it is, it is a very different form, mm-hmm. and you're standing up on a stage. You're not wearing a tie, you know. And there's no robes. There's no big. I don't. Well, I don't rem- there isn't a big fancy altar or anything, right? Nope. Um, do, is it is there an altar up there?
1: No. Okay. No, we have our baptismal fonts up in front of the cross okay and then yeah. we set up communion as a known special place yeah during the communion service okay
0: and so then um, it, it's like you said earlier at the beginning of the podcast it's far different than your like when you think I'm going to church mm-hmm. like the church experience most people are imagining um, especially in churches that really love their traditional yeah you know ro- uh, just like way of doing things sure Um another thing that we'll hear every once in a while is that they're not giving proper respect to the gospel because there isn't the same pomp and circumstance there's no white robe hmm. you lose a lot of symbolism and, and uh, the idea that that uh, you're not giving worship the, the respect it deserves obviously you'd have a, a counter to that what would what would you say in a circumstance hmm. such as that
1: what was Peter wearing on the day of Pentecost
0: a shirt and tie and wingtips <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Yeah. I, I think, once again, I want to speak balanced to that point. If, if the Bible doesn't command that, and if we're pretty sure that Jesus, the apostles, the early martyrs of the church didn't require that, if the Spirit works through the gospel and faith comes from hearing the message, then, once again, if I walk into a church and the pastor's wearing a robe and he's giving the message— or he's wearing a tie and he's giving the message, or if he's wearing a polo shirt and he's giving the message, thank, thank God. Like, I have friends who have never heard or understood the gospel. So if it's being preached clearly, I'm all good with that. Yeah. And once again, there, there are pros and cons to both. So probably the, the negative about the approach that we have at the core is the Bible very much teaches that the one that God is called to preach has not just been hired, and he's not just there sharing his opinion. He's actually the authoritative teacher of the word of God. So Hebrews what 13 would say, submit to your spiritual leaders. So the robe can be good in saying, okay, this person has been set apart. This isn't just someone who's jumped up because they felt like they wanted to. God has called me to listen to this person. They, they're required to have a certain amount of character. Now, the negative part of that is, my goodness, I meet so many people who the robe doesn't mean that. It represents mm. something power-hungry, abusive, mm-hmm. greedy, hierarchical. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to reach an unchurched audience and that's their gut impression before I even get to the scriptures, once again, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I think there are pros and cons to each. Uh, we have lots of people in our church who have been very hurt in an abusive way from a traditional church experience. And some of those yeah. symbols are, are really Absolutely. hard for them. So I've had people thank me like, thank you that you don't do that. It just makes it easier for them to approach and worship. So once again, just like contemporary and traditional hymns, there's a lot of strengths to both. I would hope these conversations wouldn't divide us. And a person wearing a robe could say, you know what, because of the robe, I can really stress this part of biblical teaching well, but maybe people forget that I'm just a regular person because I'm wearing this fancy outfit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope someone like me could say, you know what, I'm going to have to do a I'm gonna have to work harder than the guy wearing the robe to remind people that I'm not just a hired hand, and I'm not just an employee of the church. I've been called by God Himself to be their authoritative teacher, and have to deal with Christlikeness and humility.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, I think what you like you said that uh, that man is someone who's been called and trained, and he's been like that's his his job is to reach his target audience, right? A- yeah. And every church does have a target audience, whether they realize it or not, mm, right? True. Even if, it, even if, like, and some might be a wider scope than others, um, but the reality is that he also, like, part of his being a professional as a pastor is tailoring, you know, the gospel message and the your presentation of it to your congregation yeah. as well. That's good. And so, as you said, the the various audiences um, are going to react to things like that very differently too. Yeah. If you're in a if you're in a uh, situation where the people that you're reaching with the gospel most often are in a heavily Roman Catholic neighborhood, mm. it's gonna be you're gonna be thrown up for <laughs> a loop if the pastor stands up there in, in jeans and a, and a polo shirt, right? Totally. Yep. Um, whereas they're gonna be like it's just nat, like it feels more far more natural and normal, and it's gonna be easier to present them clearly with the gospel if they see something that they're used to in front of church yeah.
1: too. Yeah, you have to be so, wise. Yeah. You have to be humble. You have to be what first corinthians 9:22 i have become all things to all people so yeah. that by all possible means so paul had to wrestle with jew gentile we have to think about our city our neighborhood denominational culture what symbols mean what they yeah. don't mean so yeah i i remember one time a uh, an older christian I, I was trying to make the case that you didn't have to wear a robe as a preacher <laughs> and i remember he said um, a robe represents authority when the judge walks into the courtroom he puts on a robe mm. and That was a really good point. But as I left the conversation, I thought, I wouldn't call up the local judge and confess my sins or ask him to visit my grandma in the hospital. Right. So it represents authority, but does it represent approachability, Uh compassion, and love? Yeah. So it just reminded me, okay, pros and cons. Yeah. We're all trying to teach the whole counsel of God and all the scriptures, and some things do a better job, and other things do a better job in this area. So, yeah, I'm coming back to the same theme. Like, right, every, every New Testament book talks about unity in the church. So I never, ever wanted to invent a rule. And I've done this, especially as a contemporary guy. It's been easy to be judgmental of, mm-hmm. okay, I, I think these things make a better point for contemporary worship. And like, man, I've had to check my heart to not be the opposite of Jesus because of my personal preference. Man, that's hard for us. Like, <laughs> I, I totally get the Pharisees. How they ended yeah. up where they are makes... Oh, man. It just makes total sense to well, me.
0: Well, and then you start to get Pharisaical about not being Pharisaical. Yes. You know, like, in you know order to prove you're not a Pharisee, here's what you need to do. And you go, shoot, <laughs> I did it again. I'm glad I'm not like one of those
1: people, like the Pharisees yeah. who say they're not like one of those Jeez. people.
0: <laughs> All right. So the... Uh, well, first, I, I was realizing we never defined worship here either. So why don't, why don't I have you define worship? And then we'll talk about the sermons a little bit. So go ahead and define worship. Oh. Really putting you on the spot here. You are. <laughs>
1: I just had, I'm writing a book right now that's going to be released in, I think, January 7th. And I talk about defining words in kind of streetwise ways. And what was my definition for worship? Reminding ourselves how much God is worth. So when I Ooh. sing a song and I worship him, I'm remembering how much he's exalted. He's glor- I'm, My heart is magnifying. I'm lifting up the name of God. Like he's worth more than anything this world could offer to me when I respond in praise, when I give an offering, when I love my neighbor, when I humble myself, when I read my Bible, when I pray. So, you know, worship is a 24-7. We might gather for worship, <clears throat> excuse me, in a special way, but whenever I'm remembering that God is my number one, he's, he's worth it. I'm gonna say no to this sin because God is worth it. That's worship. I'm gonna take valuable time. I'm busy, but nope, we're pushing pause on life and we're going to church as a family because God is worth it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give our money to the poor, to ministry, even though we want to spend it on a hundred other things, because God is worth it. So to me, that's uh, not a technical definition, but a streetwise definition of I'm worshiping well. I'm always worshiping something. So what do I say is worth right. it? Right.
0: God. And then, and then uh, the, with that definition, it's an easy fall to then to say, well, this is a worship service. It's a assigned time. where We're going to focus on nothing but worship. Yeah. With the people that we know and love. It's about God. It's awesome. Yeah, I like that definition. Thanks. I wasn't so sure when you started talking, (laughs) but by the time you were finished, I was like, I really like that. I I probably
1: stole it from some book I read. So, well, that's
0: the way the world. There's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Solomon was clear about that. Um, So, the uh, um, as you guys do sermons and Mm -hmm. as you do, you do mostly themes, right? We or do a bit of everything. All, okay, yeah, you do a bit of everything. So ex- why don't you explain how you how you go about that then?
1: Yeah, so like next Sunday, we're starting a four-week series called God and Race. So I've picked texts from the Bible that address um, racism, racial diversity from a biblical perspective. Um, this October, we're doing a sermon series through the book of Titus. So for seven weeks, we'll just go verse by verse. So we'll do topical things. We'll do books of the Bible. We'll do theological ideas from the Bible. So we really do a variety of things throughout the year. All
0: right. So um, is this, you you mentioned that uh, you, like, a lot of times you look at the world around and you say, well, what, like, so um, how do you choose what you're preaching on and when you're preaching on it? Yeah,
1: great question. So my process is throughout the year, I'm writing myself notes. Someone might come to me with an idea for a sermon series since I preach so much, I might be reading my own devotional life through, let's say, Titus. Like, wow, oh, this is really good. I should preach on this. Um, God's opening my eyes to great things here. I could teach on this well. It might be something like we're always looking something Christmas and Passion of Jesus, Lent, Easter, kind of connected. So we we preserve some of those things throughout the year.
0: Do you like carry that through Advent or throughout the season of Lent, or is it like?
1: Yep, throughout okay. the season. Yeah, we do. So we'll do something on the passion of Jesus in Matthew's gospel one year, and then we'll do Mark the next year. We kind of do the same thing for Christmas, at least in recent times. So I end up in my email file, have all these ideas to choose from. Then I put out a first draft, trying to put it on the calendar. I run it past the people at Time of Grace through the other pastors on staff. We brainstorm, refine. We pick new titles. We say, no, this isn't so good, or we just talked about this 18 months ago. And so they help me refine it to a second draft that hopefully we lock down. And the cool thing yeah. is once we lock it down, then I've been thinking about basically 52 sermons. Oh, so yeah. whenever a story comes up in the news or whenever you and I have a conversation and you tell me a story, boom, I put it in the file. And now I just have yeah. folders that are being filled with illustrations and ideas and books and resources. So by yeah. the time I get there, I'm sitting down, but I'm not really starting my study of the, the text or the topic. I've been thinking about it for six, nine, 12 months.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, have you ever like just jumped in on one and said like, this is something that came up. We're going to talk about it now. Or do you pretty much always, or I guess there's many different, oh, go ahead and answer the question. <laughs> yeah, r-
1: rarely. And maybe that's me. I'm, I'm a planner by nature. So because we have planned, you know, we have graphics and people looking for videos. We have sermon series that we shape and promote and business cards that we buy. Like we have so much work that's gone into it for me just to show up on Sunday and say, Hey, never mind all that. Like I would dismiss yeah. a whole bunch of work that our yeah. team has done. So if there was something yeah. huge, like if 9-11 happened, right. I think we'd all understand Like there are times to push pause in the right. plan, but normally we stick to what we planned.
0: Yeah. Well, and I noticed um, you guys did put up a uh, time of grace, put up a video. So we're recording this in the first week of August. Yep. Um, and there was just this last weekend, there were two mass shootings, one yeah. in Texas and one in Ohio. Ohio Dayton. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I noticed you guys pretty quickly after that had yep. you know, a little video up. And, and maybe that's just because you were in town already anyway, and you're ready to roll. But um, you say, um, mm-hmm. how how you don't do that for every news story that comes up, correct? Right. Yeah. So how do you determine what you're going to do in, in that regard? If that yeah, makes sense. maybe
1: in real time we can include prayers and special announcements or free will offerings or make videos like that. But as far as the service and yeah. the sermon itself, right, that's kind of planned further in advance. Yeah. So I think in real time. You know if there's a tragedy at our church or in our country or world we can include that in our prayers we can talk about that we can make a social media post so we react a little bit more fluidly with that kind of stuff
0: yeah and why do you do it that way so like um traditional lectionary would have you you know rotating through and you'd be preaching yep. on different things all the time right um so why do you choose to do it the way you do it and um maybe i mean maybe you do use the lectionary as a mm-hmm. guide sometimes but why do you choose to do it the way
1: you do it yeah great question there are pros and cons to this as well. So let me start with <laughs> right. the con. I remember after doing sermon series for a while, when I kind of started crafting them, a woman who loved traditional worship came up and said, you know, pastor, we've been doing this for three years and we haven't heard about the baptism of Jesus since four years ago. Oh, yeah. And I remember she she was really wise because she gave me such a specific example. And I thought, you know what? She's right. So I took a number of topics deeper than the lectionary normally would But because of that, I couldn't cover as much ground. Mm. And there's some really beautiful things like the baptism of Jesus that our people hadn't heard in, in years. So that's the give and the take of it. What I like and what I appreciate about series is that we can take a topic and go so deep and be so thorough on it that it sticks in people's minds for years to come. So my favorite example, it was 2015. So four years ago that we did a sermon series called gay and God. And Still today, last Sunday, a woman said, I've been going to a Christian counselor, she told me about your sermon series, Gang God. I've listened to three of the four sermons already. You know, we printed booklets about it. So before when I was just kind of taking week by week through the lectionary, I don't know that I went deep enough on a topic like that that it became a helpful resource for the church. But when we have four weeks on a race, four weeks on sexuality, four weeks on gender, seven weeks on the suffering of Jesus you know, these series that really go deep on the birth of Christ and what it means. You know, we can use those as resources and people come in. Are you struggling with pornography? We did a series on that. Are you looking for friendship and community? We did a series on that where when new people come in they actually go back in our podcast and they go deep on scriptural topics and themes. So I love that. You know, in week one I can say we're going to talk about gender in this series. Next week we're going to talk about in the church. In week three in the home we're going to talk about transgender in week four and we're going to lay the foundation today. And through repetition for four weeks, I'm just driving those scriptures home into people's hearts. My hope is that when they have, they might not remember everything I say, <laughs> but, you know, six months from now, right. when a gender question comes up in their home or their child is experiencing gender dysphoria, they're going to say, oh, you know what? We have a whole series on that. And it becomes a resource for their family to get back into the word and be guided, be guided by the spirit.
0: Yeah. Well, I think when you pair that with some of the flexibility that you build in when you do, for lack of a better term, when you do the liturgy the way you guys are doing the liturgy, Mm you see you have some flexibility then to bridge that gap as well. Whereas, like, if it's Holy Trinity Sunday, you might be preaching a sermon on you know, this topic, Mm -hmm. but you can bring the Holy Trinity Sunday piece of it, like the festival Sunday into the rest of the service as well. Yeah, we can. And, and, and it, it, I think it's difficult. It's not impossible. And, you know, people are, are successful at it in many places, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot more difficult to use, you know, this, if you're using the same, you know, um, in our circles, it's the red hymnal, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're using the same, what's the word? Um, order of service every single time. Yeah. Same words, exactly the same. Um, it's harder to do that. Sure. You know, I think. Um, and so I, that's just in, in, your defense. Yeah. That makes it, makes it like when you have built in flexibility, then you can be more flexible. Yeah, you When can. you've, when you're built, when you've, uh, chosen to use something more structured, then you have to be, you have
1: just that, automatically have less flexibility. That's true. Yeah. And not in our defense. Sometimes we whiff it. Yeah. So we'll, craft our own confession and sometimes it's great and it's heartfelt and we're not just saying a confession but we actually end up confessing real stuff and real sins yeah but other times we botch it and like man that looked good on paper but that didn't turn out as great as we thought it did yeah so yes sometimes i feel like we can do better than what's you know the traditional stuff and then other times we don't so the theme of the day right there are pros and cons to everything and if you love jesus and love people you're trying to be flexible and maximize his glory like that's the end game. Yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of goofy sometimes. This even this conversation will flip itself on its head. And you know, we visited a church a couple of weeks. I was at a wedding and visited a church a couple of weeks ago that uses all the koiné you know, worship stuff. So they pretty much do koiné worship songs almost exclusively. Mm, okay. Um, and just, they don't have piano and organ very much. They use those. And they were using the objects of wrath, confession of sins every Sunday every week. Uh-huh. And one of them was saying that you know, they had a guest preacher, you know, six months ago or whatever, who did like the traditional. Um, you know, confession of sins and absolution and all that, and they're saying it was almost a relief because you know, the new <laughs> thing had become the old thing yeah. so quickly. So you know, they're like, we need to do something new and fresh, and it was only new <laughs> and fresh for so long before the old thing was the new and fresh yeah. thing again. So that's it, hard. Yeah, like I said, flexibility and, and and you know, like you said, letting your people be involved, but even letting them guide some of the decisions that you make too, Yeah, the needs of your congregation. Yeah. There
1: are no easy answers. Yeah. Man, that's so true. And especially with culture today, things change so fast. I mean, you think of pre-electricity, pre-internet, like life didn't change from generation right. to generation. Now, now Facebook is for old people. And yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, I just think of apps and social media and how that affects worship and people's expectations of keeping things fresh and authentic and being transparent like that that's tough to keep up with yeah at time of grace being a media ministry but we're right in the thick of that we're trying to reach the platforms where people are to share jesus and you think it's this one and you invest all this time and energy and branding yeah and you finally kind of figure it out yeah. and then a year later not like people have moved on to the new thing so it it's a boatload of work to love people and try to reach them where they're at yeah so it makes me appreciate Paul who said, you know, all things to all people, and he'd give up his preferences and he'd work he'd double down and work hard because he loved that Gentile as much as his Jewish family. Yeah. Like that dude was pretty cool. Yeah. We should name churches after him.
0: We should. We should like name two churches in the same town after him. <laughs> or so always my favorite one? Where you like type it in Google Maps and you go, I don't know which one it is. Is it the one by the railroad tracks? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it's, it. Uh, yeah. So um how do you guys cover or how do you bridge the gap between sunday worship and you know in the like the daily lives of your members yeah
1: how do you do that good question so our mission statement it goes like this we exist to help people plant jesus roots that produce the spirit's fruit so we play this video every single sunday about these five roots to connect people to jesus we call them gather group grow give and go So gather is Sunday to your question. And the third route, what we call the grow route is what happens in your home. So how do we get people into the word worshiping, especially, you know, parents with children, couples with each other, singles, how do we provide resources, encouragement, prayers? We live in an age where there's a, everyone can get a Bible on their phone and a billion different devotional plans. So we've really noticed that when we can suggest a specific plan for a certain season of the year. Like, hey, we're going to try to read the Gospels on the YouVersion Bible app, and we'll send on an invite, and we'll have 100, 150, 200 people be willing to sign up. Like, sometimes just that nudge, and like, we'll pick the thing for you, and give you a little bit of stru- structure and a calendar to follow it. So that's a great way we've seen the grow root really be effective at our church. Um, like everything else, that's the constant battle. For yeah. me, right? I, can, right? I can let Netflix play that next episode, mm. and finally get into bed with my Bible mm-hmm. and I'm tired after seven minutes mm-hmm. or seven seconds or <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
0: Or just carry it and put it on the bed stand. And that counts, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is there something with osmosis or? Yeah. 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 Got... I mean, it's hard to get, um, especially like I think most of the time our community groups are aimed at like young professionals, right? Mm. Well, who's got the least time to get together in the late evening? Yeah, you know, and so
1: like you said, it is a struggle. It is a struggle. Yeah, yeah. We try to provide. So the second route is group. Mm -hmm. So we call them life groups, where people can connect. Many of the life groups talk about the sermon. There's even some questions that dig into other parts of the Bible. So we try to unify. Yeah, like our Sunday experience with a lot of our life groups with some of the scriptures that we're reading. So we do as much as we can to have a cohesive Mm -hmm. whole and get people back to the Word. Awesome.
0: Well, I know uh, I've got things to do today. you got things to do today. Woo-hoo. So uh, as we get moving here, uh, we always ask the question, what does it mean to be a man? We've heard your answer before, um, but we'd love to hear what your what your answer to that question is today. What does it mean to be a man of God?
1: I would say a real man worships. He he thinks God is worth it. So I think of all the the things that would make us impressed with a man, like he has integrity, he doesn't... Given into anger, self-control, he puts first things first. That's all worship, right? If he's not worshiping God and being satisfied in his heavenly Father's love for him, he's gonna pursue something destructive and short-term. But if that man finds his strength in Jesus, that he's already loved, accepted, included, he doesn't have to prove anything to the world, he can serve, he can be generous, he can give, he can love, he can say no to things he should say no to. So, I, I don't know what I said last time, a man is satisfied in God, it's the same way. You get better memory than I do. Has, you didn't remember everything <laughs> I, I said remember. last time, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> My goodness. So, I should have taken better notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say a man worships God. Awesome. Uh, he's been so, and obviously put the gospel first. Huh? He's been so loved by God that he realizes God is worth it. All
0: right. So uh, we've been talking a little bit about Time of Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we find you and um, the entity that is Time of Grace? How do we get access to you?
1: Yeah, timeofgrace.org. You can download the Time of Grace app. I get a lot of content, blogs, other things that pop up on there. If anyone's interested, we're actually taking a trip to Israel next March. So if people want to sign up for that, they can find out more information on the website. So I'll be preaching four sermons on site in Israel, and we're doing a 10-day tour that I'm so geeked out about. Um, Otherwise, if people are into social media, we have all the platforms. I'm on Instagram at at Pastor Mike Novotny. Mm -hmm. So you can get a little glimpse of what's going on in my life and my faith. So. Yeah, Time of Grace has all the platforms, so that'd yeah, be the place to start.
0: And it's not just Pastor Mike; it's it's a whole bunch of different pastors and yep. teachers who, well, teachers of the gospel, I'd say, who who uh, are putting out pretty much. Well, it is daily content, yep, even multiple times a day, often. So,
1: yeah, we have blog writers, really we have stuff. Grace Talks, uh, we have so much going on, podcasts. So if you go there, thankfully, it's not just me. There's a great team of people talking <laughs> about Jesus.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well appreciate your time. Thanks, Charlie. Blessings. Have a good one. You too. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook, under the Gird Up podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as Gird Up underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account, type in www.patreon.com forward slash Gird Up, And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.